This is Big Boss, and you're listening to Fan Holes, see? Yeah, a Transformer comic book science fiction fantasy podcast made for the fans by the fans, see? All right, hey everybody, how we doing today? This is Fan Holes Podcast 3, or as you may also know it, Aim of Hawkeye. The regular fan holes are back with us for this podcast. Let's go ahead and get everybody on board and uh, get the names out there. I am Tony. You may know me as Chainclaw on the Bot Talk forums. Hey, this is Brian. I'm Breakdown on the forums. Hey, what's up? This is Derek. You'll know me as Derek WC. Hey, guys. It's Mike. It's Thunderwing. This is Justin. I'm better known as Grimlock. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Just to let you know what's up for the uh, show this week, give you a little heads up. We're going to be talking about some D-list characters, favorite characters who don't get a lot of screen time. We're going to be talking about IDW ongoing in a segment we like to call Someplace Cold. We're going to be talking about the Mighty Avengers cartoon. It's on Disney XD, if you're not aware of it. We're also going to be going over Sucker Punch in our For the Future segment, as well as some late breaking news about a possible Transformers MMORPG. Yeah, we got a full list today. Let's go ahead and start off with the D-list characters. Interesting. Even the lesser ones have some value when their powers are put to the proper use. I think, uh, Derek, you kind of were eager for this one. You even you got more than one this week, don't you? Yeah, I, I decided that I, I wanted to do one from Marvel and one from DC because I guess I was inclined to pick a, a DC character at first because that's just kind of how I roll. But uh, there's there's some Marvel characters that I think don't get a lot of love either, so I just wanted to talk about both of them. For my favorite uh, D-list Marvel character. I wanted to talk about Madcap. He's a villain that I first read about in Daredevil comics. It was the first issue of Daredevil I ever got. I believe it was 234. Madcap has a really gaudish costume. He's got a big purple hat, and uh, his costume is kind of half yellow and and half purple. Kind of like a reverse Two-Face-ish kind of outfit. And his superpower is that he kind of can uh, manipulate people's minds so they all kind of, like, go crazy and stuff like that and he also has a healing factor that i'd say is more powerful than than wolverines or anybody's like that because he he kind of literally i i guess now i guess the the only character who i think could compare to his healing factor is probably deadpool which i think is a shame because i remember reading earth x and they have what is it like the dark devil character or whatever you know the one that's kind of like on the the ghost rider bike and stuff and uh he's basically like i think in in like some special they later pretty much solidified that it was wade wilson in earth x but uh i remember when i first read earth x i was kind of like you know a lot of my friends were coming to me going who who is that guy supposed to be like he's not (laughs) matt murdoch he's not johnny blaze like he's not any of the characters you would think it is and i kind of turned to all of them and went dude it's madcap and they all looked at me like who the fuck is that i'm like it's gotta be madcap because he heals and like he's kind of kooky and crazy and he has a daredevilish costume and i'm all madcap fought daredevil you know so like that's kind of where i was leaning towards with it um so i've always kind of liked him as a character brian you may have uh, seen him i think if you read solo avengers because i remember he appeared in that a little bit and he was mainly i think he first appeared in captain america so i think he's mostly been in captain america books i know he had a a few issues in uh, Heroes for Hire where they actually put him on a team against Deadpool, which was kind of interesting because, hmm. you know, they could both kind of chop each other's limbs off and not 
get hurt kind of thing. So I, I really enjoy that character a whole bunch. If I ever got a chance to write comics and stuff, I would like to either add him onto a, you know, a, a supervillain team or something like that. They, I think in Ghost Rider, they kind of make him a little lame. Like he's, he's very extreme and hardcore. Like he's <laughs> killing people and like really, really like demonic and stuff. So I, I don't think I'd write him that way. I think those are the last couple times he's appeared because I think he appeared in the the Dan Ketch series where he was like that, like where he was really kind of satanic almost, and that doesn't feel exactly right to me for the character. And I think uh, in the new Ghost Rider book, he appeared in that as well and was kind of, you know, played the same way sort of for that. I, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like he's got a yellow and purple costume. It's like how satanic and scary can you make <laughs> him? I think it's more supposed to be he shoots bubbles out of a gun and makes people kind of loony, you know, where they kind of just go off the deep end and don't realize that they're, you know, doing serious injury or harm to themselves. So uh, I've always kind of liked that. For DC Comics, I just wanted to mention... Uh, character called claw the unconquered he's kind of a fantasy sword and sorcery character he's kind of a conan ripoff basically but i guess you could imagine conan with the witch blade attached to his hand and that's basically uh, the long and short of who claw the conqueror is or the claw the unconquered he basically had his own series in 1975 more recently he hasn't done too much i was kind of excited because he was part of gail simone's wonder woman run so that was kind of neat to see him there and wonder woman actually gets the the claw like the the you know uh sort of witchblade-ish kind of, uh, you know, device that gets stuck onto his arm, like that actually gets attached to Wonder Woman's arm, so it's it's pretty interesting story. Also, uh, I, I know I did the one response video to Linkara with Cry for Justice, and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the things that get missed in Cry for Justice, you know, when people are bitching about people dying and how things suck all the time or whatever, it's like he's got a lot of love for DC history that people just either don't see or don't notice and like one of the things i thought was cool was prometheus actually uses a missile that's basically from like one of claw's gauntlets so it's kind of cool like it's basically like i, I think there's some scene where it's kind of like you know the computer's like oh using you know uh, uh you know ancient weapon from you know uh, 1300 bc or whatever it was you know like way the hell back or something like that so i always thought things like that were kind of cool and that those so those are my two for dc and marvel it's madcap and uh claw the unconquered did Ooh. madcap always have his like uber healing powers yes his uber healing powers were like almost like bugs bunny level healing <laughs> powers. like like it was like you would cut his it, like I, I if i'm remembering right because it's been a while since i read the issues but it was either a, a captain america or the daredevil comic it's like they they like chopped up his leg and you could like his leg the inside of his leg looked like a piece of ham you know like you could see the whitest bone and you could see like the pink insides but he wasn't bleeding and it was just kind of like here give me back my leg Woo! you know and he was like totally fine it's almost like the more you cut him like the happier he got like the more sort of disfigured or the more the more severed limbs he had you know the more he would actually kind of be like happy i think i actually remember i totally could be wrong but i think he actually had like a small miniseries-esque kind of thing in uh, marvel comics presents I'm, i could be wrong though no, no no he he might have like uh it's it's weird i was trying to 
do some, you know, research and make sure I said all the stuff, but he probably did. Like, that sounds totally appropriate for a, a Marvel Comics Presents. Yeah, I remember Madcap. He was pretty cool. That's actually a cool choice. I remember him, like, showing up in various things. I always kind of liked his uh, look. He kind of reminded me of, uh, uh, this is actually not my character, but uh, you remember the Heckler from DC? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was another miniseries I remember reading and I liked a lot. But, yeah, they're very similar because they both have that kind of yellow tint and the, the white smile and eyes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, what about uh, you, Mike? What was your what's your D-list character this week? My D-list characters uh, pick from Marvel. I've mentioned him to you guys before. Citizen V. Well, he started off as a Golden Age character, but they brought him back in Thunderbolts. Most people probably, when they think of Citizen V, they think of the you know Baron Zemo just disguising himself as the grandson of the original Citizen V, pretending to be a hero. But eventually, later in that series, they introduced the actual descendant of of Citizen V, John Watkins the Third. He's really cool. I like him. He's he's basically he's described and he is a mix of Batman, James Bond, and Austin Powers all rolled into one. He's like you know he's got the Batman gadgets and stuff. He goes on like James Bond like style like spy missions and he's like kind of like he's got that Randy sense of humor like Austin Powers. He just looks cool. He's had two mini series aside from Thunderbolts. He's had two minis. His last appearance was like three or four years ago in like uh, Cable and Deadpool because what's his face uh, Fabian uh, Nasina pretty much the only guy who writes him and so next time he writes something maybe he'll pop up again but I just like him he's got a really cool look the second miniseries he was in all the covers were drawn by uh, Mike Diodato who before he kind of made it big like at Marvel you know before he was like one of their you know superstar artists he made it look really cool I love the mask on him it's got like the sword and he just looks awesome I always find it funny though because he always gets his ass kicked but I still think he's like totally cool there was a subplot in Thunderbolts where Baron Zemo's mind was transported into his body and the first Citizen V miniseries that's the the like whole like uh, plot twist at the end that it's been Zemo this whole time in Citizen V's body. So, like, you never actually meet John Watkins III until, like, midway through Thunderbolts, and then in the second Citizen V uh, mini, it's really him. And towards the end of the first volume of Thunderbolts, he finally gets to meet Baron Zemo, and you're like, oh, boy, Citizen V's finally going to, you know, get revenge on this guy who uh, stole, like, besmirched his grandfathers and fathers and all his forefathers, like, history and uh, legacy, and he's going to, you know, get revenge on Zemo. And, of course, <laughs> he's about to fight him, but there's some, you know, world-threatening uh, apocalypse at the end, and so Hawkeye just shoots a, a bola arrow at him and ties him up, and it's just like, we don't have time for this. So, yeah, he kind of gets cheated on of that but his, his no last time of, for your backstory <laughs> exactly yeah he's just like we we don't have time for this there's like a rip in space and time or whatever it was i forgot finally his his last appearance in cable and deadpool uh, was just okay but he he got his ass kicked by deadpool which was i guess okay because deadpool's up on the scale but you know I still like him. He's got an awesome look, and he's my pick. That's cool. Have you ever uh, checked out any of the old Marvel masterworks? Like with, the, or are you more just a fan, kind of like people who like Wally West? Like you're not that interested in the. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever look up like you know the original like Golden Age Citizen V's. Like the costume wasn't that cool, and you know it, the part of what I like about him is like the whole cool look and the gadgets, and uh, he's he carries like I, the original didn't even carry like the sword, which is his main weapon. 
strap and it's like a, a rapier type sword and stuff. And you know, he doesn't have like the, he flies around on a little goblin glider thing called like the <laughs> V wing. And obviously the one from world war two doesn't have that. Yeah. I, I noticed how radically different the original one looks from, I guess you'd say the modern day one, right? Yeah. He's just basically looks like a British soldier with a, or an American soldier with a V on his uh, hat there. Yeah. Cause I remember like, I mean, the thing about the old comics is I'm a, I'm a big fan of like history and they did like a lot of groundbreaking stuff. But I remember even in the seventies, I read like the Invaders comic, and even then the dialogue is so stilted and kind of hokey. You know, it's like some readers like, "Come on, we must do this for Atlantis and uh, Toro <laughs> and everything." We're like, "Come on, old chum, let's light this guy up." You know. <laughs> One one thing I forgot to mention, in that last appearance he had in Cable and Deadpool, he, he exchanged probably one of my favorite, he was the recipient, I guess, of one of my favorite Deadpool lines of all time. Him and Deadpool are fighting. He's like, Deadpool just attacked him for no reason. So Citizen B's like, this fight is completely unnecessary. And Deadpool screams at him, blasphemy, all fights are necessary. <laughs> It's kind of good you did the history because I was like, okay, so this isn't Helmet because he's not talking like him. Who the hell is this guy? And he's and you're right, he was kind of cool. I do remember him being very snarky. He had a very quick wit. Yeah, so. and that's my pick. Cool, cool, cool. Lots of good picks. Let's go with Justin. What, what was your D-list character, man? Uh, mine's the Swordsman from Marvel. I don't know why, but I guess when I was younger, I would always tend to go towards those guys who they would show up in a series they would be the bad guy they would join the team they would turn out to be a bad guy again kind of like the mimic did in the early uh, x-men issues you're a big wonder man fan <laughs> no <laughs> uh, <laughs> no one is it's okay <laughs> <laughs> i remember coming across that cover for avengers number 20 where it's like swordsman standing on the top of the building and like he's thrown cap off the building and cap's handcuffed so i was like whoa how's cap gonna get out of this one you know and uh, that image always stuck with me and I remember, you know, later on when I got into reading comics a lot, I remember coming across the issue of Avengers, and this was like right, I think it was right after Operation Galactic Storm. And, like, I just loved the cover and immediately bought the issue, and it was the swordsman and Black Knight going at it like they're about to, you know, cross swords. I was like, oh, neat, it's that swordsman guy again, which it turned out it's not really the original one. It's the one from, like, another dimension or something, but that kind of brought me back into uh I guess it brought me back to Avengers, and I kept up with it ever since then. But was uh, was Black Knight wearing uh, those goofy bomber jackets then? Or? Yeah, and he had his he had, uh, a, he had a he had a lightsaber or something, didn't he? Yeah, this yeah. is when they had the lightsaber and the bomber jacket days. So it was those days. <laughs> it was the days when <laughs> it was those days when you know it was like the team was like Crystal and Black Knight and Hercules, Cersei, you know, yeah, and like. Eric Masterson, Hercules in a bomber jacket. Dark, dark days of the Avengers. <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> Actually, you know what's really weird? I'm having like uh, we were talking about the other week, uh, Secret Brothers. I'm having Secret Brother moments with every single character because I read that one. It was like the the what Magdalena or something like that. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Praetor was like the big bad guy or something like that. Yeah, he was like an evil version of Black Knot from another universe or something. Yeah, no, not Praetor, Proctor, Proctor. Proctor, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it was a good comic, though, if for no other reason. Yeah, they had bomber jackets. Yeah, he had a lightsaber. But Hercules did say nay quite a bit, so that was cool. Anytime anyone says nay, you've got, <laughs> you've got my attention. How do you feel about the swordsman, Mike, since he's de facto mentor to your favorite character, Hawkeye? Oh, yeah, yeah I guess I, I like him. 
Yeah, he's I guess I cool. should bring up. I almost picked up that Hawkeye Blind Spot miniseries just because Swordsman was on the cover, but I was like, uh, I'll wait for the trade on this one. But I came really yeah. close to buying it just because, and I flipped through it and saw there was a flashback, so I was like, oh. They do, yeah, they do mention him and show him, but they focus more on Trick Shot than Swordsman in terms of mentors. Right. But yeah, 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 he's cool. I like the Swordsman, you know, not like you know as much as uh, Barber does, but he's cool, you know. He was also, you know, the third, the third Swordsman, the former Nazi Swordsman, was a member of the Thunderbolts too. So you know, I'm I'm big on that. So, but you know, he he's not really a favorite character either. But I kind of like don't. how they uh, retconned it because it, I mean, everybody knows it. Like Swordsman taught Hawkeye originally, but like at some point. Marvel was like, you know, we, we have a guy who does swords teaching a guy how to, like, shoot a bow and arrow, and he never really has a bow and arrow. <laughs> and like, then they're like, let's do trick shot. He's like a chubbier Hawkeye. <laughs> hey, the swordsman training came in handy for when he was Ronin, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is was true. it actually like a retcon? I read Solo Avengers, like, just straight through, so it seemed like a normal progression to me. I think, yeah, they, they added trick shot in later. It's kind of like what what Tony's saying. It's like they they do like a swordsman act or something at the carnival. So it's not like, you know, it, it, I don't know how natural a progression it is that he, you know, shows up using a bow and arrow and joins the Avengers. But, you know, it, it was that was the original sort of backstory uh, before they I, I, I maybe retcon is kind of strong, but probably you could say his backstory was fleshed out with trick shot, you know, because uh, I, don't, I don't think it it doesn't really. I don't know because it's been. I don't think I've read all the issues of Solo Avengers, but it doesn't necessarily like discount anything that happened with Swordsman. I don't think. Yeah, it shows Trick shot at the carnival, so I just thought that's the way it happened. But carnival had a lot of people dressed in purple. Had a lot of awesome people there. <laughs> Heck of a carnival. It was the best. Oh, was the Arbico Brothers Circus with Tomax and Zamot. Um, <laughs> I would go to that circus any day. They run around with a ferret, mm, cobra ferret. I kind of oh. cheated a bit with my pick. I kind of picked like a B lister or a C lister at worst. Is that bad of me? No. All right. Uh, my pick was from Marvel as well. Um, I picked the Constrictor mostly because as a kid, I always really liked his costume. You know, it was kind of snake themed. To go along with that, I mean, I really like Copperhead from DC because he looks awesome and Serpentor from G.I. Joe. But as I like read more and I don't know, grew older, I, I kind of appreciated his backstory more because he's like an undercover agent from S.H.I.E.L.D. And like, I didn't know that when I was a kid, but learning that stuff was always really interesting to me and kind of cool to have like, a, you know, undercover agent who I thought was a bad guy. Ryan, have you read uh, Avengers: The Initiative? Because Constrictor gets a lot of play there. He, you know, that and the if, if you've ever read there, there was a Thing ongoing series that was really good by Dan Slott that got canceled. Like I always kind of liked when they made Sandman the William Baker. Like they kind of turned him more into a, a, a good guy. Like he sort of went through a period of redemption. He was a flippant Avenger for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it seemed like it seemed like once Spider-Man Three came out, they they were big on. You know, even before that, they they did this weird thing where the wizard like you know mind zonked him and turned him back into a bad guy or something in that Howard Mackey run that I think oh so much of. But <laughs> since they since they did all that, it, it seemed like the Constrictor in the Thing miniseries was also sort of put into that Sandman role, like where, what he might have done, you know, with the Thing. So it's like they, there's a lot of cool stuff where he gets to. Like what Mike's saying, the same thing in the initiative where he sort of gets to shine and have his uh, character. Of, I, hear, 
Oh yeah, he he does a lot of badass things. He hooks up with Diamondback, and you know it's pretty awesome. Well, they're both snakes. Come on. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And then he also has the uh, the super rare European Marvel superhero Secret Wars figure that nobody could get if they weren't in uh, in Europe, I guess. I was gonna say I was, I was just surprised that they made a action figure of him in the Marvel Universe line. I was like, he gets an action figure, but Swordsman doesn't. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Jess is gonna go storm Hasbro's office. Well, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I gotta look up that. That's cool. Swordsman hooks up with Mantis and Constrictor hooks up with Diamondback, so I guess <laughs> I guess you gotta give it to the guy who gets the girl with the pink hair and not the the green skin or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> No, as far as the Dan Slot thing series, I remember one thing that was really cool was I always was a fan of him because I liked his costume, but uh, 616 Nighthawk got a lot of love too, didn't he? Nighthawk, yep, yeah. And, and that and Initiative, again, he, oh no, wait, was it Initiative? No, it, it was some other series I can't think of at the moment, but probably some different. I remember him being in was that, I mean, it was part of that whole Initiative thing, but the, he was he was on a team with She-Hulk and some other people, but I don't, I don't remember what the book was called. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, She-Hulk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's I thought that was retcon that it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious, wasn't it? Juggernaut was retconned into not happening. And then yeah. I think yeah. Peter David retconned it back, though. Yes. Yes, he yeah. did. <laughs> oh, I guess uh, I guess it's time for my D-list uh, hero. I am actually going to go really weird because I, I was kind of tearing him down at one point. I like speedball in the new warriors because he was a really kind of he was one of stan lee's creations one of his last creations and he was supposed to be this big deal but he was really kind of goofy and then in new warriors they bring him in there and they didn't really make him less goofy they actually made him a little bit more pervy which was kind of funny but they also uh expanded expanded on his powers more he wasn't just a guy who could bounce around he could actually harness like kinetic energy and stuff and i just thought it was really well done how they took a character who was not really that great, and I was like, holy crap, I kind of like Speedball. And Mark Mark Bagley drew an awesome Speedball, which kind of helped a lot, helped out a lot. And everybody else is like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no I, I was just trying to think of things about Speedball, because um, I, I know Mike recently recommended, or he, he kind of tells us every week about reading uh, Avengers Academy, and I had not read the book at all, kind of like, it was kind of like Thunderbolts was to me when I first saw it. Like, I just thought, oh, here's a bunch of new superheroes that maybe I don't want to invest my time in or whatever, but then they kind of throw that little twist into you, explaining how they're really the, the kids that could have turned into supervillains. Basically, when that point was sold, like some of their instructors, among them is Speedball. You know, it's like there's Hank Pym and Tigra and and other Avengers, you know, uh, instructing them at the Academy. So I, I think Speedball's character arc, I guess, from going from, you know, kind of like punk kid, I guess, in the New Warriors to being kind of all emo and angsty as Penance and then kind of going through a period of redemption, it's Definitely an interesting character to play with, I would think. I was just going to say, I'm very glad you picked him, number one, because I'm a huge, like, 90s New Warrior fan. And also because it makes me feel a lot better about picking Constrictor and saying that he is. Speedball's, like, way more popular than Constrictor. I was going to say, Speedball got a moment of awesome in the most current issue of Avengers Academy, but I won't spoil that right now. But he got to hurt you know, a major, you know, A-plus level threat, and while everyone else was, like, being tossed around by rag, like, ragdolls, so. Nice. I think one of my defining moments for him, like, in the New Warriors, one of the reasons 
where I kind of respected them is the uh, kids are trying to find out about their past, like they're, you know, they were prone to do in that series, and they go and bust in on Gideon's lair. I don't know if anybody, any of our listeners remember Gideon. He was a New Mutants enemy that was introduced near the end of the run before they became X-Force. At his toy biz toy. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the X-Force line. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a Rob Liefeld creation, so naturally he had like a weird gravity-defying green ponytail. But uh, <laughs> they, they break into his thing, and they actually kind of explain Gideon's powers, too. Gideon can take anybody's power and use it himself to its utmost potential, kind of like Taskmaster, except he actually takes the powers instead of learns them. And he steals Speedball's power, and at one point he's walking around, and he's in like his friggin' bathrobes. He's not even, you know... He wasn't ready for a fight. He just kicked their asses pretty much. And Speedball's little energy bubbles are swirling around him in like an atom pattern. And like Speedball's looking at him. He's like, dude, how do you do that? <laughs> that is so cool. Definitely some awesome picks. Probably a lot of good reading, especially some of those Initiative and Avengers characters like Swordsman and stuff. A lot of history there. We're going to move on now, folks, to a segment we're going to call... Somewhere cold. A pretty much an area where... We try to be positive. We really do. But there's stuff out there that we just sometimes can't get over. Or we just have to, as they would say in the uh, old days, vent our spleen. <laughs> this week's topic for our, I guess you would call it our hater segment, Someplace Cold, is going to be IDW ongoing Transformers comics. These have gotten a lot of mixed reviews. There's a lot of controversy with them. Some people have tried to stick with them. But a lot of people are just not happy with some of the directions they're taking. One of those people would be our friend Mike. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and go start off with him because he, he definitely did a little bit of homework this week to kind of explain how he feels the way he does. Oh, no homework. I've just been building a bile. <laughs> also, I, also, Brian, uh, uh, what do you call it? Also, Tony, I've never heard the term venting our spleens before. But yeah, I, I was about to suggest the word vent, and then and then I heard you say it, and then all of a sudden it turned into something totally different. So. <laughs> yeah. I try to be original. Okay, my main gripe about IDW's G1 ongoing is the loss of a sense of scale. When when Simon Furman started this, he really like sold you on the the concept of a like multi pan galactic war. Like Earth was important, but like there was stuff going on everywhere, and it, it was totally it totally lost something when they even with all hail Megatron. It's like when Simon Furman was writing the book, you had like Nightbeat investigating some mystery somewhere else you had wreck the wreckers like prevent trying to prevent a planet from falling another place you had wheelie surviving on another planet but now it's everyone's on earth and why are they on earth we don't know it, it earth is the center <laughs> of the universe now it, it seemed like retroactively it seemed like every important named like decepticon and autobot from like 1984 to 1986 all came to earth for no apparent reason and then when Megatron was disabled at the end of All Hail Megatron, they all, like, everyone just, like, lost their will to do anything. Because the ongoing takes place three, it starts three years after All Hail Megatron. And apparently what everyone's been doing, like, since then is nothing. The Decepticons <laughs> have been rotting on some planet doing nothing. The Autobots have just been sitting still on Earth doing nothing. I mean... In All Hail Megatron, I don't like that series, but I gotta reference it for continuity. It said that Megatron had uh, like a pan-galactic campaign to wa wipe out all Autobots everywhere. Like after hearing this, after Prime goes to Earth and stops Megatron, and you know, did he think that all that stopped? I mean, if 
all your family members across the globe were targeted for like you know a killing would you just sit and take a vacation for three years i mean wouldn't it, it it's totally i don't know it, it just totally makes no sense to me whatsoever and you know it's it's like Prime didn't even have to worry because the uh, the Decepticons fell apart too in those three years. When, when we catch up with them, they're like on a like char substitute planet, and like they're just all like resorting to cannibalism and like what? Just because Megatron went down? What happened to all like you know the infiltration units on all different planets and stuff? What happened to all the warships that could bomb planets from orbit? I mean, if Megatron wanted to kill the Earth, he could have just done it from orbit. That's like the whole cool, like, you know, mass, massive galactic war that Furman, like, established. And all of a sudden, it just all went away magically. Furman established, not that, I, you know, I got to keep bringing up Furman's storylines, but I really liked them. And, you know, it, it makes me mad that all this stuff was ditched. He established that there was a reason that Earth was important. And that was like the Ore 13, the, the super energon deposits. And that would have been a perfect ready-made and perfect sense-making reason for everyone to stay on Earth. But no one since all Hail Megatron has picked up on that. They're just all on Earth because, oh, the Transformers have always fought on Earth. They've always come to Earth by chance. You know, so why do we need a reason? Because, you know, whatever. But um, it, it seems like that, that what you're talking about, like with the 84 to 86 Transformers just magically all coming to Earth for All Hell Megatron. Obviously, it's out of some kind of fan love, but the, the actual rationalization in story for it doesn't really exist. But also, I, I don't know, just from an outside perspective, because I, I read All Hell Megatron, and then I, I read a little bit of Ongoing and then kind of lost track of it. So for homework for this, I kind of read, you know, I caught up on all the Ongoing. I read the Drift miniseries and, like, just tried to catch up to see, you know, what, what you guys might be talking about. And it seems like, at least with All Hell Megatron and even in, in this Ongoing series, it seemed like not only elements of G1 84 to 86 fan love were brought in, but also all these elements from the, the Bayformer movies were brought into it. Definitely. It's, it's the very art, heavy yeah. On the, the human beings. It's very heavy on the, the military and socio political interactions of humans. I mean, in fact, me, I think what I read was I read Ongoing 9 through 17. Like, that's how far behind I was. And I sort of read them all in one sitting. And it's kind of like, I read comics really fast, but just to put it in perspective, like, I, I read From Hell in a week. And, like, that's, like, Alan Moore's, like, magnum opus that took my friend, like, three months to read. So, like, I do read comics fast, but, like, sometimes it's kind of like you can, you know, I don't know if you've ever, you know, said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to the restroom, I'm going to take a comic to read, and I'll be right back. And it's kind of like we always used to laugh where it was like, dude, Alan Moore was great for that because you'd sit down and you'd read an Alan Moore comic, <laughs> and you knew you were going to be in there for a while, and you'd have something to entertain yourself, you know? But with this, it's like before I even, like, you know, crank out anything, I'm done with the ongoing comic. <laughs> There's no story there. And, and, and the human beings are kind of, just in my per perspective, they're kind of, I don't know what it is, but they seem like weakly drawn somehow. Like, it's like all they care about is the Transformers, but then, 
as per the story, it's like, no, no, we have to, you know, talk about Spike and the covert government ops unit and all this stuff. And it seems like they're bored drawing those guys. Like, it, that, that's just what it comes across to I, me. As I was going to say, that's something I wanted to bring up, too. You know, humans are important to a Transformer series. I think Brian said this before. Humans are important to a Transformer series. They do have a role, but it's not their war. It's not, it's, they should be, you know, that they can help. They, you know, but this ongoing comes across like a G.I. Joe book with Transformers that happen to be in it. And I know Mike Costa, the writer of the ongoing, he writes G.I. Joe, and I hear he's very good on it, but it's not necessarily the same kind of work that would work on Transformers. It's kind of like picking up Spider-Man, and instead of Spider-Man punching out Doc Ock, it's Aunt May making wheat cakes for the entire issue. And she's in a big, giant mech armor from Japan, <laughs> making the wheat cakes. Come get your wheat cakes, Peter. And- there was, there was one other point I wanted to bring up that really gets my goat about this series is, I guess the term is character derailment. It's like every, almost every single character written in the series doesn't like behave in the same way they behaved. Not only like in previous stories in the same continuity, but even it's like stories from any continuity. Like the end of the first issue, you know, Optimus Prime surrenders himself to the humans because, spoilers, Ironhide died, and all of a sudden he's all mopey and depressed. Now, he's been mopey and depressed before, but, you know, in Marvel Comics, when he was mopey and depressed, he got up and did something about it, you know, or to have a bad example, or he committed suicide over a video game. (laughs) But that was something, damn it. (laughs) Yeah, but but at least that was in character. He committed suicide over a video game because he felt he betrayed his, like, you know, his code of honor or whatever. And ongoing, it comes across, like, feels like he's, they're trying to, like, oh, this is some noble thing he's doing by surrendering. But it doesn't, it comes across like he's giving up after three years of doing nothing. I mean, it, <laughs> it's like the most out of character thing I could imagine for Optimus Prime. Do you think it might help if maybe, like, Hot Rod unleashed, like, a killer android that cut off his hand and Optimus could exactly. come and rescue Exactly. Yes. That... <laughs> I think that would fix things right away. Break him out of his funk. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of Hot Rod, you know, uh, I'd He's like to dick. quote some, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to quote something. Um, our buddy Danja on the bar, Bot Talk board, he wrote a very good review of the first six issues of this series. I'd like to quote something from that r- review about Hot Rod, and it, it it fits in with the theme of character derailment. The quote is this: Instead of being a hot-headed, overeager, determined young fighter, Hot Rod is instead now just a douche. <laughs> Pretty much. So, it, and it, every character has something like they don't act like the same as anyone is used to basically and it's not even it's not even you know development or it's it's just the plot needs the character to act this way so he can further the plot and if that means the character acts like a total moron or totally you know out of character then too bad i think it's interesting because i i like i like hot rod and rodimus prime a lot so i'm I'm probably gonna go to bat for him mostly like i i was kind of reading issue 13 and i was like all happy that like you know hot rod was like owning like all the decepticons in it until it looked like the the love child of mace windu's lightsaber and tron like blew him all to hell or whatever (laughs) but the i guess the hot rod that you're talking about that's like a douche i don't i, I don't know that i uh, agree with that all because i when i was reading some of it i was kind of thinking well to me prime's the one sort of acting like a douche and like it's like well at least it's kind of like what you're saying about marvel prime it's like yeah he might be a sad sack and he might be moping about stuff 
but then he, he there's some sort of action, you know, some sort of forward momentum <laughs> in his mopiness. And and to me, I'm kind of like, yeah, Hot Rod might be a douche to Danja, but I'm like, at least he's a douche that's doing something. He's like, come on, Swindle and you guys, let's get the hell off this planet because we seem to be getting blown Derek, apart by Aunt May and stuff. I was going to say, Derek, the one thing I like about the first six issues is there is a character in the first six issues, Hot Rod, who is telling the rest of the characters just how bad this plot is. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. what are we doing? What are we, why are we just sitting here for three years? But, you know, by the end of the issue, he gets, you know, punked over, too, by Swindle and all that. But still, I, th- I thought that was really funny. It's like, what, what, you know, it's you've got a character in your own story, like, undermining your own story. I think, like, my biggest problem is, is like, a lack of focus in the, like, issues. It's like, we have these things that they build to. It's like, like you're talking about, like, you know, Swindle and Hot Rod have this thing where, like, you know, we're going to try to get off the planet because this sucks. And it ends up with just Swindle making Minasaur, which people fight Minasaur, and then you never see Minasaur again. And then there's, like, Ultra Magnus comes down. He's like, I'm Super Cop from space, and I'm going to arrest some people because there's been things going on that are not right. Never arrest anybody. He just stays on Earth and just chills out. And it's just like, why do you build to these moments and then go... Yeah. When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> exactly. It's like Thundercracker. He, like, helped the Autobots for an issue. And, like, you know, he was a conscientious objector. He wasn't doing it because he, like, loves the Autobots. But, you know, he was bored because, I guess, Springer was in reruns that night. And he goes out and helps them. And then they never really make a lot of mention of that again. You talking Jerry Springer or Springer helicopter? Yeah, yeah. Thundercracker for, like, the last three years after he, well, not three years, but he, he was badly damaged at the end of All Hell Megatron. He gets found and repaired at a certain point, and he doesn't rejoin with the Decepticons, really. He hangs out with Swindle on them for a little bit, but then he's like, you guys suck. I don't want to do this, so I'm just going to go do my own thing, and he pretty much just watches TV all the time now. Yeah. Well, the thing about Thundercracker is... People are all like, oh boy, you know, Thundercracker's finally going to do all those things in the tech specs that they said he'd do, like, you know, have doubt in the cause and stuff. And I'm like, you know, we already kind of saw this already with, like, Dinobot and, like, Armada Starscream. They, they're they just going to do that same storyline all over again in Carnivac, yeah. you know. I mean, I would actually not mind if he never joined the Autobots but just didn't want to join the Decepticons. I mean, that'd be great if he was just some hermit and every time they, like, come up to me, like, get off my lawn! <laughs> I was actually totally fine when he died at the end of All Hail Megatron. Like, you know, Skywarp just shot him in the face because he helped the Autobots that one time. I thought that was a good end to his story, but, you know, yeah, I guess he's he, too popular. He had his one moment, and there you go. Yeah, we should get uh, some of Justin's thoughts on it. Did you Have you been keeping up at all, or...? I haven't had a chance to read All Hail Megatron or the ongoing. I did read the the Drift Mini and the Drift Spotlight and Last Stand of the Records, though. Well, as far as, well, the thing is, Last Stand of the Records is actually a good comic, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. That's Um, like the one good thing in the last two years. (laughs) I wanted to read the Drift stuff because, you know, he's kind of a character we all joke on. So I kind of wanted to, you know, give him a, you know, his day in the sun, I guess, or give him his due credit, I guess. Well, he is the Uh, most popular character in IDW Transformers. You know that, right? Apparently. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to check him out real quick and then you know see what it was all about. I didn't think they were terrible comics, but no, I thought they were yeah. actually yeah pretty okay, not great, but but like like you, I think it was, might have been you, uh, Mike. You said like more or less drift is just Ramoni Kenshin. Yeah, he's pretty much Kenshin. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I hate the, I think the spotlight is awful, and the, uh, that's kind of what cemented what I thought drift is a terrible character. The mini I thought is just kind of bland. 
Like, it's just yeah. kind of there. Not horrible, but, like, you know, yeah. when the trade comes out, you're not going to be like, ooh, must buy. Yeah, I was saying to Justin about it, it's like I get that Judge Dredd black and white syndrome. Like, when I read that mini, because I was like, dude, everybody looks like Drift. Ah, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's Drift and a bunch of his clones and then Plan- Dialysis Planet, there. Planet of the Drifts. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh. The Drift League. I, I, I still like the, the the beginning of the mini, though. It's just really funny because he's like, ah, oh, Deadlock, you have let me down for, like, the 30th time, and now you're going to pay. And he's like, no, <laughs> kick, run, buy. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I hated how they tried to shoehorn him in there with, you know, Megatron and Starscream and Soundwave like he had yeah, always been yeah. at their side. You know, he was the Greek warrior. Drift. I was just like, yeah, Megatron's yeah. drift is a is a big part of Megatron's plans. Give me a break. Uh, I, I wanted to have I there's this analogy I always use when it comes to IDW Transformers that I wanted to say. I, I've used it before, people have probably heard it before, but imagine Simon Furman is at the beach and he's building this really awesome and elaborate sand castle and it looks so fun to play in and you hope it, it lasts indefinitely. And then all of a sudden a new writer comes in and jumps on that sandcastle and keeps jumping on it. And the new writer tries to build a new sandcastle, but he just can't do it. So the Tide, IDW, comes in and washes that sandcastle away. Then another writer comes in and tries to build the sandcastle too, but he can't do it either. So the Tide comes in again and washes all that away, and now all we've got left is mud. Nice. Oh, I just want to oh. get back to that awesome sandcastle. For everybody listening, I, I I think I should throw this in here just to as a disclaimer. It's not about being a G1 purist. We don't want like sunbow days or anything like that. We just want good stories. That's it. I don't care about change. Change is fine. Just give me good change. Change that I like when I read a comic, I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty flipping awesome. You know, like somebody mentioned Last Stand of the Wreckers. That's a great comic. <laughs> This is going to be good. Yep. There is a show on Disney XD called Mighty Avengers, and from what I've heard from Derek and Mike, it's pretty flippin' awesome. And also from you, Justin, you like it a lot too, right? Yeah, I really enjoy it. That's cool, and I think Brian has been trying to catch up with it as well. I guess we'll just start with somebody who's probably watched it the most, either Derek or Mike. Let let us know your thoughts. I'll I'll just say, you know, not to uh, spend too much time talking about it, but I, I think as a a team superhero show that's animated. I think it has learned from any mistakes that have been made on shows like Wolverine and the X-Men or Justice League. You know, I, I think sometimes the, the issues I always have with those shows are either due to maybe prioritizing a certain character like Wolverine or Batman over maybe some of the other team members. But I don't find that this series does that. I think most are treated equal if not you know all in the same playing field there's some instances of captain america getting to look cool but i don't think it detracts from any scenes where say wasp also gets to shine or hank pym gets to shine or hulk or thor so i I just want to throw that out there i i'm really happy with the way the team dynamic is handled and uh, as far as uh, business doesn't write it then huh (laughs) i guess so and and then the only other thing i was going to say about it is that i think the uh, show is supposed to be coming out on dvd pretty soon the only thing that's kind of disappointing is i I think it's split into two discs for the first 13 episodes and i think it's it's supposed to come out on dvd on april 26th 
So in case anybody hasn't been keeping up with it, maybe they can get it on DVD that way. Also, there's plenty of episodes on the Marvel.com website, too. If you haven't seen it on Disney XD, there's plenty of sites you can go there and just stream the video straight from Marvel. So, yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably totally pick up the DVDs because at least they're not doing the whole, like, the best of the Avengers with, like, two or three random episodes for, like, 15 bucks. So that's pretty cool. What do you think about it, Mike? I was, I was going to say, like, seven episodes is, like okay but it's not ideal like because i can remember you know buying dragon ball z dvds which were like three episodes a disc for like 20 bucks like like 10 years ago so yeah that i, I still got that mindset i guess but yeah. you know but it, it's not ideal i mean you could put the like the first 13 episodes on a single set you didn't have to split it up into two you know but yeah. it, as with the show in general i love it you know Hawkeye gets to be a badass all the time, you know. The guy that gets nerfed the most is Iron Man to me, it seems like. He's always the one who needs to be taught a lesson or, you know, he's always the one who has to say, like, oh, my God, my tech doesn't work against this, which is I thought was ironic since he's, like, the front runner for the show. But, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it because, you, know, you know, he is kind of a douchebag, so, you know, he... <laughs> he he at least deserves it. So, like, unlike, you know, like Superman in the first season of Justice League, where he was just getting taken down for no reason and stuff. So, you know, Iron Iron Man at least has, you know, the hubris to be, you know, taken down and rightfully earned it. But, you know, I love the show. I can't wait for new episodes. Over to someone else. I was just going to say, as far as Iron Man goes, I think I, I think uh, in some ways I, I, I didn't think about what you were saying about maybe his tech getting nerfed. But I, I think he follows more uh, a traditional pattern that I like to call uh, round two power in comics, <laughs> where like his tech does get nerfed, but eventually he does seem to have a comeback where eventually it's kind of like, aha, my tech might have been nerfed once. But now that it's, you know, towards the end of the three-parter, you know, I will, you know, come up with that magic techie solution to, you know, reroute all your, you know, technology and, and you know, throw the pink elephant your way and, and save the day. Or <laughs> now whatever. that I plug into the Shi'ar power battery, I can win. Something like that. Um, I have been catching up on the episodes this week. First off, I'll, I'll state my displeasure with the fact that Constrictor <laughs> gets covered <laughs> by Wasp in the first <laughs> <laughs> Like one shot to the head, he's down. So that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. But I actually had a question for you guys that have watched it more. Did it take you a while to grow into the show and start liking it, or did you like it from the beginning? I liked it from the start. Yeah, I, I would I would have to say I think I liked it from the start. I think I think the things that made me cement that, you know, I kind of watched the micro episodes and everything and was getting into it. But I think what cemented it for me was when Thor did get like knocked out of battles. I always thought it was well thought out. I was kind of like, oh, Thor's busy because it's the wrecking crew, all like four of them, and they're gamma irradiated. I'm kind of like, you know what? I can sleep soundly with that. If that's <laughs> if that's how they had Superman getting taken out with like four hulks that were uh, <laughs> the size of, uh, you know, Cleveland, and, and they were beating the hell out of them. I'm like, I would live with that. I go, okay, obviously, Superman's busy right now. Somebody else has to go, you know, blow up the starship or whatever they need to do. And and even, you know, like other, you know, I, I you know, I guess I should announce spoilers or whatever, but it's the same thing in the, uh, the Kang episode. I was really happy with the way, you know, Thor did take one for the team, but it's like you get the idea. He, he took a hit that would have blown up 
the whole planet, you know, yeah. so I'm, I, I can totally live with that, you know, like that seems to make a lot more sense to me than getting like dust thrown in your face or whatever. <laughs> or electrified manhole covered. <laughs> no. Yes. It might be because I've like enjoyed Young Justice so much and um, just started watching that recently, but I haven't been able to get into Avengers as much as I thought I would. Like I enjoy all the cameos and stuff, but I don't know. It just doesn't like. On every level, like the animation, the story writing doesn't seem to be up to the level of Young Justice for me. I, I can I can buy that. Like Young Justice might be, you know, I, I should say like a grade level one or two ahead in terms of like demographic and who they're writing it to. Like Young right. Young Justice seems a bit more mature, just by a few degrees. So I, I, Avengers seems a little more like cartoony in places. So I, I can get that. Well, maybe yeah, it's I remember, the network. I'm trying to say maybe yeah. It's, yeah, XB yeah. You know, it's more of a you know family kind of thing. Well, I remember when they. They debuted that uh, promo image, you know, the team shot. I was like, uh, I wasn't really feeling it because it just seemed like more of that Teen Titans, Transformers animated kind of style. So I was like, I, I don't really know about this. But, you know, when I sat down and watched it, I was like, well, I'll give it, you know, a fair chance. And then they started throwing out all those little, like, tiny references, like all the super villains in the prison and everything. I was like, oh, look, it's, you know, Grey Gargle and Arlen Zola and all these guys. I was like, okay, I'm getting into this. And then that when they finally started fighting the Graviton or whatever, I was like, you know, this is actually pretty good show and i mean it's consistently been a good show there's only i don't think there's been a weak episode in my opinion thus far yeah, there's been no there's been no carnivals as of yet yeah. <laughs> there's been no car wash of doom yet yes um, no, would you guys <laughs> there's been no requests for java <laughs> would you guys say it's more on the level of batman brave and bold or a little bit more mature than that between them yeah between them solidly yeah. between them okay cool cool I will have to check it out. This is what you like. This is what makes you hot. What? <laughs> yeah, one of the subjects brought up this week while we were talking back and forth was from Brian, actually. This comic uh, is the topic of sexuality in comics. And not just, you know, innocent, probably innuendo, but like how in some ways it may have become maybe a little too much, a little too not really as graphic as it is blunt. Is that what you were kind of getting with, uh, Brian? Yeah, um, I'll be the first to admit I'm probably a lot more prudish and you guys are people um, on the boards. I'm not really talking about like the max titles or titles made for adults. What what really comes to mind when I think about this topic was Ultimates Three, where they're like they have all the Ultimates gathered around on like couches and they're sitting there watching like a porno of Tony and like Black Widow. But <laughs> I don't know, it just struck me for like a regular mainstream comic like is going too far, and I just didn't know if I was being way too prudish or you know kind of wanted to get your th- your guys' thoughts on it. And it seemed like a very heroy thing for them to be doing. Exactly, well, it seemed like you know these are my heroes from childhood all the way to adulthood, and they're the watching pornos it's weird well because it's like it seems like that book i i i know it's not a max book but then like to me i was always thinking well it's written you know the first two series were written by you know mark millar who's always trying to push people's buttons one way or the other when whenever i you know when you mention this like you know the first couple things i thought of that immediately came to mind were like things like young blood blood sport and even, you know, the whole, you know, thing with Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch in in the whole Ultimates thing where it's this taboo kind of incesty, weird, weird relationship they have in that story. So I, I don't think you're being a prude about it. Like, I was trying to think of the history of it, like in terms of when things started. And I, I started thinking about marriages in comics, you know, and like, I'm like, oh, well, who's like the first person to get married? And I want to say it's like Spy Smasher or somebody really old, but I can't really confirm 
confirm that. But I know like the elongated man got married where it was like just a one page thing where they said the newspaper, you know, said, hey, he's married to Sudinbi or whatever. And uh, but the first really, really big wedding, like for some reason, I was thinking it was going to be Reed Richards and Sue Storm. But it's actually Aquaman and Mara who got married first, like in a really big wedding where it took place in the comic. And like all these superheroes are invited to Atlantis and like, you know. Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't, you know, confirming that he doesn't need to breathe underwater, you know, and all this other stuff. So, like, that's, that's stuff like that where, you know, characters are getting married and they're having kids like Franklin or, or Aquaman's kid who later gets bumped off by Black Mana. So, you know... I guess, you know, if you're older reading the comic, you kind of know how that happened. If you're younger, you just kind of think, uh, the stork brought Aquaman his kid, or I don't know what you think, but. Flying fish. But it's not really spelt out. And I think in, even in the 70s and the 80s, like whenever sex was brought up, it was always handled a little more delicately. Like even, even things like Watchmen, you know, I just went back to look at that scene and the way they depicted in the movie, is very, very different from the way they depicted in the comic book in terms of subtlety. You know, it's not like it's graphic and explicit. They actually do a lot of things to cover it up with TV screens and and, and dialogue balloons. And it's more inferred than, you know, a lot of people, if they're having sex, they're done in silhouette. You know, it's like, it's like oh, uh, you know, Talia's you know, having, making love to Batman and conceiving Damien and Son of the Demon or something like that, but it's all in silhouette maybe or something or, you know, like that kind of thing where it's not totally graphic and explicit, kind of like what you're talking about with like the Max comics or, you know, I, I was thinking of stuff like in, in Uncanny X-Men 435 when She-Hulk like sleeps with Juggernaut, you know, like that's, to me, bar none, like X-Men is a book that kids probably would end up reading. I don't know if they should be reading Ultimates or not. I don't think I would let my kids read the Ultimates, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Another thing I was thinking about was like X-Factor. The, 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 there's some recent issues like in, in the 200s, like 207 and 208, where basically I guess it's been established now that Richter and Shatterstar have a thing and they, you know, they make out with each other and have sex with each other and stuff. And so so I guess Richter also had a thing with Rain Sinclair, and so she comes back and walks in on the two of them about to get naked in bed together, and she's pregnant. And then the next issue, like, she totally goes, you know, ape shit and freaks out. She's like, what did you do to Richter? Like, you know, she turns feral and basically starts a big cat fight with Shatterstar, you know? <laughs> So it seems like there's lots of very upfront, I guess what you're saying, you know, sexuality in comic books. I think it's a good thing or a bad thing or neither. I think it's the context of the story because I remember one of the things I was telling Derek about earlier this week that I was wanting to bring up. Probably bar none, the most disturbing image I've ever seen in a mainstream comic. Like you said, you know, adult comics are one thing. You're expecting that kind of content. But there was an Avengers comic by Chuck Austin where the Wasp and Hank Pym are having, you know, an intimate moment, which, you know, that's fine. They're, you know, they've been married. They've had a long-standing relationship, but it's so graphic. I mean, not to be vulgar, but I mean, it basically more or less starts with Hank Pym crawling out from underneath the uh, blankets in shrunken form, looking, again, sticky. And it, 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 yeah, and it, it gives you no, there's like no room for imagination. You know what he is, where he has just been. Because, like, the wasp is all, like, you know, post-coital and, like, all happy. And, and he's, you know, he's even, like, kind of bragging, like, you know, your turn, you know, which I don't even understand how that would work. 
I want to, <laughs> you know, I don't even want to go there. But, uh, but like, and yeah, I think it's the context of the story. You're talking about like the Ultimates watching, you know, a porn. That seems off. Now, let's say it's a guy like, like, okay, you know what? Deadpool. If Deadpool was watching a porn, it wouldn't bother me because he's that kind of character. He would watch a porn. He 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 has very loose morals. But it's weird. Like it'd be like it'd be like seeing Superman going into a sex shop. You know, it's like that doesn't yeah, fit. Exactly. Well, I, I think it speaks of. You asked if it was good or bad. I think it speaks to today's age. I mean that that sex tape that tony and black widow had i mean it speaks to things of of pam and tommy lee and paris hilton and i'm not saying that that makes it good i'm just saying that's clearly where they're getting all their inspiration from it seems like they're trying to echo that they're celebrities and celebrities would have these things done to them so uh, i guess i understand it from that point of view do i think it's good not really i mean i i don't think it needs to be that explicit. I was reading New Ultimates, and it was like Thor, I guess, was in Hela's dimension. And I guess the ultimate version of Hela, like, is some kind of trashy trailer home demon or something, because <laughs> she, I guess, has Thor knock her up, and then the baby's there in, like, one day. And there's this big kind of very Demi Moore-looking Vanity Fair shot of her, you know, with her stomach. And Thor's just kind of staring at it, dumbfounded, going, uh, it's only been a day. So, I and, and it just, some stuff like that, I, I could definitely do without seeing that in any comic, whether it was for, I don't know, whether it was for adults or kids or whatever. I, I, I was going to say, if it's handled with, like, a degree of subtlety, and then I was thinking, like, you know, in that Ultimate Story that's written by Jeb Loeb, and I was just, I was just like marveling that I was about to say that Mark Millar is more subtle than someone, yeah, like <laughs> in terms of his writing. But he just kind of, even like with the Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch thing, he never outright said like they had an incestuous relationship. There were hints here and there, and it, there were just enough hints for you to go, oh, that's a little creepy. But in Ultimates Three, Jeff Loeb came out and said it. Like, and that's just what doesn't, you know, work. Yeah. Well, I think Derek was talking about this one, too, and I have to bring it up just because it pains me. He was talking about, and it's, yeah, it was like just the lack of subtlety, because he was talking about issue of Alias, where Luke Cage and, um, I want to call her Jewel, because I keep forgetting her name. Oh, uh, Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jessica right? Jones, yeah. They're about to do it, and it is not even inferred, it's directly shown that he is going to have anal sex with her by her facial expressions on the panel. And it's just like, yes, that's real life, I understand that, but I don't always want that much reality in my comics, you know? It's like, like I said, if it's done with tact and it's done tastefully, I have no problem with sex. I mean, sex is a part of real life, but, you know, it's just to the degree. If you're going for shock value, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. To put it, my own views kind of in perspective, like I remember growing up reading Amazing Spider-Man, and you'd have like a panel with Peter and Mary Jane in the kitchen. They'd start kissing, and then the, there'd be a panel where they dropped out of the scene down below. And that's all the like, you know, it's really subtle. You knew what was going on, but they didn't have to explicitly show it. And then more recently in Amazing Spider-Man, you have them like, you know, shown in bed with like Black Cat, which is like, I don't know. To me, it, it just struck me, it struck a nerve. Because Spider-Man was like my first big childhood hero. 
and the sequel. Well, I think I, I think it's interesting you bring up Spider-Man because there's always been this kind of unwritten thing, like Gwen Stacy was this pristine virgin, and that's why everybody sort of freaked out when JMS wrote that story where you know Norman Osborn knocked her up in Europe or whatever. Yeah. Because it, it it just it taints things that your mind never went there. You know, I mean, and and the the th- important thing about Spider-Man, I think, is e- even though Mary Jane is clearly drawn provocatively and in a sexual manner and like you know feminists go ape shit over the sideshow collectible statue where she's bent over and making laundry or doing laundry or whatever <laughs> it's like to me i'm always kind of <laughs> like well look like 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 my my take on that always was you know in the comics the mcfarland era and all that it's like they were at least married Do you know what i mean it's kind of right. like you could at least say hey look what they do in the privacy of their own home is their business and i always kind of like what denny o'neill said about Green Arrow and Black Canary's relationship, I was reading a a written interview with him, and he always kind of said, well, look, whatever they do in the privacy of their own home is their thing. You know, it's really none of mine or the reader's business type thing. But you kind of know that they're, you know, we knew that they liked each other and that they had a relationship, but it didn't have to go any deeper than that. And so in in that sense, I, I don't mind, you know, not knowing certain things. It's not like I need to see Juggernaut and She-Hulk, you know, naked, strung out in the bed with the whole bedroom smashed up. Yeah, it's like, you know, like you're talking about Green Arrow. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Am I wrong in thinking that that Hawkeye and Mockingbird <laughs> example is a more mature way to handle it? Which, uh, which one are you which talking one are you about? about? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying how it's implied and, you know, the writer's like, you know, it's their business, it's not really up. Um, for me to disclose or the readers to know. To you see mean? It. You mean? Uh, I was gonna say you mean Green Arrow and Black Canary. You said Hawkeye and Mocking. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I, I do that no, all the time. I wrote this awesome fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you never see like Green Arrow, like you know, like Dennis O'Neill was saying. You never see him like whip out and go, "All right, it's time to use the marital aid arrow." You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> These are things you don't need to well, I mean, I, I think there was, like, more mature reader Green Arrow comics with Mike Grell, and I actually like that run of Green Arrow comics a lot. But I, I guess it's kind of different from what you're saying. It had some kind of mature reader label on it, and if, if they're, you know, naked in bed together, that's one thing. You know, it's it's not the same thing as a Green Arrow comic that's got, like, Brave and the Bold stamped on it. You know, yeah. like, imagine the Johnny DC line had a bunch of, you know, women naked in bed in it with men, you know, like Spider-Man or something. You know, it, it would kind of freak you out. But, but I guess that's the sad part about comics is unless it is labeled, like, now it seems like those comics have to be specifically stamped and labeled okay. You know, it's like you have to stamp it with a Johnny DC or a Marvel Adventures line. Otherwise, who knows what you're going to get when you open it up. Yeah. Derek, Derek, what you were saying, the Gwen Stacy thing, beyond what was done to Gwen, I did not have to see Norman Osborn's (laughs) O-Face. I just did not have to see that. Harry! (laughs) Or, like, even the regular Spider-Man line. I mean, just, not even that I've seen it, but just knowing that Norman Osborn knocked up What's-Her-Face, you know, Harry's last girlfriend like that's just beyond icky to me yeah you know? <laughs> icky content warning label for the future i think it's a good time to move into the future there's a movie coming out soon called sucker punch it's pretty much done by Zack snyder correct that's correct yeah and he's very well known for 300 he did watchmen he's he's got his own style he does a lot of the green screen effects 
And this is pretty much in that similar vein. This one is actually even more like out there, though, with the uh, imagery and stuff like that. And the reason I say it kind of goes in with the sexuality in comics is some people have stated it kind of has that anime vibe with like a lot of young women in tight-fitting school clothes or even less, bouncing around, cutting up things with swords and shooting machine guns and like has like a sexual undertone to it. Have you guys, do you guys find like you know interesting like has an interesting plot or anything at what you've heard about it or you guys want to see it i definitely want to see it i'm having trouble finding someone to go with me the friend that i asked thinks it think it thinks it's too over the top for him which was sad he really liked you know watchmen and 300 but for some reason this movie's too much for him i, I mean i think i think that's what he was going for though i agree with you brian i mean this is meant to be over the top you know this is like uh, i was reading online i think it was on wikipedia where it has similar parallels kind of to, I want to say, Alice in Wonderland, where these girls go to this. Not, it's not a virtual reality. It's kind of like it takes place in their mind. I know it's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, see, that, that to me doesn't even seem like I, I think they're they're trying to sell it as Alice in Wonderland because there's girls involved. But to me, I, I think my dad said it when he first saw the trailer and I kind of agree with him. It's basically Don Quixote. It's like okay, all these yeah, great yeah. things sort of happen in their heads, you know, all this awesome, you know, action and, you know, I don't know what what else goes on there, but all that kind of craziness you're seeing in the trailer. Because I, I think they're supposed to be in some kind of asylum or something. She's going to get like a uh, lobotomy or something like that. And, and before this all goes down, it's like this is their last big hurrah in their heads or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it seems very Don Quixote to me, like that he's going on all these different adventures and basically, you know, making making shit up. As far as would I go see it, I don't know that I want to go watch it in the theater, to be honest. Like, I, I might, you know, check it out eventually. The, the main thing that I was kind of interested in was the only thing I really liked about Dragon Ball Evolution was Jamie Chung. I think she's really pretty. And so I could see myself wanting to go, you know, just check out the movie just to, to you know, see her in it. But other than that, all I can think of is I kind of hope Superman doesn't look this green screeny. And that that's kind yeah. of my final take on uh, Sucker Punch. Did you see Evolution in the theater? No, no, okay. I did not. All right. What do you what do you think about Mike? Do you want to see it or yay nay yeah, maybe? I'm, I'm gonna end up seeing it. Yeah, probably. I don't have you know strong feelings on it one way or another right now. I mean, I'll judge it after I've seen it. Like, and you know, as far as you know, tying into what we were talking about earlier, yeah, it probably is a little over the top in, in like terms of you know sexuality and you know stuff like that, and vi probably violence too, because obviously you know guy who did 300 and Watchmen and you know <laughs> yeah, the, so you know barber. Oh, I definitely want to see it. I mean, I'm the guy who likes anything ridiculous over the top, you know, like <laughs> I kind of get like a high school of the dead kind of feel of this, you know, I guess where it's a bunch of schoolgirls, you know, just fighting. I think there are zombies in this actually, you know, but I definitely want to see it. I do know there's a samurai with a Gatling gun at some point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that awesome. How, how could you sound like a machine girl in all those Japanese movies that are <laughs> kind of strange? Yeah, yeah kind of. It kind of has that vibe to it. I honestly think it's going to be really pretty. I think it's going to look awesome. I do want to see it in the theaters because of that. I think it'll enhance it because it's going to have so much crap flying at you. You're going to need a big screen to kind of take it all in. Mm -hmm. As far as the story goes, from what I get from it, it'll either be a convoluted mess or people will be like the Matrix and they'll try to, you know, start a whole philosophy off of it. And I'll be like, no. <laughs> the argument I made to a friend, they were like, you know, eh, it's over the top and everything. But my argument to them was like, so you wouldn't go watch a movie about schoolgirls fighting a giant samurai and dragons and they're in biplanes? 
Does that not appeal to you at all? <laughs> I I think it looks fun. If nothing else, I think I will, uh, will at least enjoy it for what you know it is as far as the action. It looks like it has a lot of good action scenes in it. As far as any other new topics, we weren't really going to prepare for this, but it just kind of happened over the week. As Transformers fans, there was a recent announcement of a possible Transformers MMORPG. For you, those who may not know what that means, that's Massive Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game. It's supposed to, the only thing that we've really heard about it is in development. It'll be out when it's out. Um, 2012. What, 2012? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. The only thing I've heard about it that kind of lets me down a little bit is they're not basing it on G1 or Beast Wars or anything like that. They're doing it off the Prime series. And I was wondering what you guys thought about that. I mean, what do you think about uh, it, Derek? My my take on it is considering the characters I've seen on the... Because my only exposure to Prime is I, I, I read the, the comic miniseries leading into it, and I've been watching the, the TV series for the most part. I haven't seen the latest episode, but... The, the Decepticons seem very Stepford children to me, so <laughs> I, I can't imagine like there being any interesting, I don't know, looking Decepticons for you to either interact with or, or play as. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience playing this kind of game either, so my only thing is, is what I kind of know about the DC Universe multiplayer online. Or if it's something a little more generic, you know, then it doesn't apply as much. But you start to wonder, like, well, how's this going to work? Is Optimus Prime going to be your mentor? You know, am I going to have Bulkhead as a mentor and we're going to act stupid and play rock music (laughs) with What's-Your-Face the whole game? Like, I, I don't know exactly how they intend that to work. But I know if I was fan of playing as a, one of the bad guys, as the Decepticons, I would kind of be disappointed because it seems like you've got... Megatron, who looks pretty distinct, and then you've got Starscream, and then everybody kind of looks like him. You know, Soundwave's kind of a blue-looking Starscream, and the rest of them are all kind of drones. And I wonder if if that, you know, unless they, you know, either make up their own designs or there's some toys that I have no idea about, I I don't know how much fun that's going to be for somebody who is a big fan of the Decepticons. Oh, they actually did introduce two new Decepticons in the last new episode, but even they don't look that distinct, you know, aside yeah. from col- aside from colors, you know. It's the colors that really tell them apart. Yeah, it's like Breakdown and who else? Knockout. Knockout, yeah. I didn't really see the episode, but yeah, I heard that they were in there for like a cup of coffee and they were gone, so. <laughs> yeah, they were like a Bullwinkle and Rocky type deal, like. <laughs> You mean you mean a cup of oil? Knockout was the little guy who was like, "Hey, I'll get my pal Breakdown to do this." And Breakdown was the big Adam Baldwin voiced guy who was like, "I break stuff." Oh, and I'm Adam Baldwin. I <laughs> oh, was it kind of like was it, was it kind of like they were Starscream and BB from Beast Wars Second or whatever? Yes, but Breakdown had more of an, a vocabulary than just Roger. Uh, I kind of, I was kind of get the vibe awesome. of uh, the, uh, remember the old Looney Tunes cartoons with the big bulldog and the little yapping dogs? Like, my friend, oh, yeah, yeah. my little buddy, my my pal Spike is big and strong. He'll mess you up. He'll mess you up. <laughs> oh, what, what do you think about yeah, it? Uh, shut up. <laughs> Mac. <laughs> uh, what do you think about it, uh, Justin? Do you think you might even be interested in playing it at all or just doesn't really seem to appeal to you? I'm not really much of a video game player these days. Uh, I don't hate Transformers Prom as much as Thunderwing does, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm still disappointed that it's not G1 or Beast Wars, so probably won't be checking it out unless it just looks phenomenal. Like I see some great trailer for it or something, I probably won't pick it up. Cool. What about you, Brian? Any idea? or? I don't know. It's by the makers of RuneScape, so it's people that know how to put together a decent MMO. 
I guess it'll all depend on like, well, for one, I'm imagining it's going to be PC only, and I'm not much of a PC gamer, but I think a lot of it will depend on like the customization options and like how many people are actually interested in it to begin with, because a lot of like smaller MMOs don't even get off the ground because they can't generate enough members to actually join. So I wonder if them going with not only Transformers, but Transformers Prime, if they're really going to get enough like video gamer interest. Yeah. I accidentally cut Mike off. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, for the record, I don't hate Transformers Prime. I just, it's more, <laughs> I just really, I really can't be asked with it, really, you know. I feel kind of blasé exactly. about it. It's like, I can't get excited about it. I mean, I like the Scraplets episode, but that's about the extent of it. It's just one of those things you just don't look forward to watching, right? Exactly. I do it for the homework for this, you know, in case it comes up here, you know. <laughs> or, like, on the boards, you know? So I can say, I'm keeping up, I'm keeping up. Yeah, it's not must-see TV. As far as my thoughts, the only thing I can say is I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys about Prime. And it's, it's not so much that, like, you know, again, I love G1 or I love Beast Wars so much that it has to be that. It's that Prime has not really been established that much. So I don't really know if I would care about a storyline in a video game about them. You know, it's like they've had maybe six or seven episodes under their belt, and they're like, we're going to make a huge world for you to play as all the characters in Prime that you love. All seven of them. Right. <laughs> you know, just doesn't seem very, I don't know, intriguing. It doesn't really pique my interest. All right, guys. Well, you know, it's looking like it's going to be about that time where we uh, kind of go off on our favorite things that are kind of hitting our interest this week. Something that's kind of turned us on, let our listeners know what's awesome that's out there. Let's go ahead and start off with Mike. What, what's really making you happy this week? I got two small things. Um, I saw the movie Rango, the animated movie uh, with Johnny Depp vo- voicing like the chameleon or gecko, or I didn't actually figure out what he was. I think he was a chameleon. It was very good, actually. I was, I was very surprised. I kind of think, you know, I kind of think Johnny Depp's a little overrated as an actor, but he did a really good job voicing this adorable little lizard, and it was a very good story, actually, so I really liked that. And the other thing I wanted to mention was I purchased the trade, which just came out in paperback, of Hawkeye and Mockingbird, and I bought the single issues, but I was more than willing to double dip for this, and I'm glad I did, because the trade (laughs) is one of those cool trades that, you know, they give you a foreword by the writer, they give you, like, a cover gallery, they give you design sketches at the end. It's one of those trades where you get like more than you you know more more bang for your buck and it's a great six issues although i guess it marvel's killed the series already and you know all hawkeye gets is a bunch of mini series now but whatever i'll take what i can get so you know <laughs> i i recommend that as well <laughs> all right how about you justin what's looking good for you this week i'm currently reading a century of stop motion animation by ray harryhausen oh cool. uh, and so he he talks about his own movies and the creative process of you know making the models and the tedious you know posing each one he talks about his own movies he covers a lot of other movies and some obscure movies so if you're into that kind of thing it's definitely worth checking out oh awesome that does sound pretty cool how about you derek what's uh looking good on your end i just figured i'd mention that i i took my mom out to see the king's speech because she wanted to go see it and this was a couple weeks ago i think right before the academy awards or whatever but i i, I think i went into it thinking like oh okay i'm gonna see some boring british movie my mom wants to see you know like i wasn't i wasn't exactly thrilled or whatever but i you know she sometimes you know it's my mom and i want to go hang out with her and stuff so uh, we went out together to go see that and actually the king's speech i thought was a, a really really good movie and it actually won the the best picture and stuff like that so i enjoyed it a lot thought it was well told story and the acting was really great jeffrey rush was really good so i you know if people haven't seen that you know i'm sure it'll come out on dvd or blu-ray you know a couple months from now i think it's definitely worth checking out cool cool what about you brian what's something that's 
seeming awesome in your side of the universe. I actually have two items as well. Both are video games. One I purchased and one's free. The one I purchased, it's actually an older game. I'm going to mangle the name. It's like Valkyria Chronicles. It's really a sweet game. Uh, I found it. I've wanted it for a while, but never bought it. And then this week when I got my haircut, I saw it at like Walmart for 20 bucks. So I ended up picking it up. It's basically a strategy game. But the, all the cutscenes are like cell shaded animation, so it looks really cool. It kind of combines like it's almost like a combination of anime, a strategy game, and an RPG, which are like three things I love. So I'm really digging that game. The other game, it's a free MMO. It's actually the Battlestar Galactica MMO. This week I just started playing it. I think fans of Battlestar would actually enjoy it more than I would, but. Basically, you get to choose to play as the Cylons or the humans. There's an ongoing, like, gigantic, like, war over probably like 20 or 30 star systems in this galaxy. And it's all real time. So, like, the Cylons will start a war, like, at midnight and take over, like, three or four systems. And then you'll get all these hmm. messages that, come help us. We need four line ships and six fighters. The Cylons are attacking. So I'm really enjoying it. I don't know. something I think more people should check out because it's a really, really good game and free. And then is this, I, I went and looked at the website, but I didn't sign up yet. I was just curious. So it's all basically space battle type stuff. Like, do you have like battle stars or do you have like base ships or is there more stuff than that where you're, you're doing stuff with the Vipers or how does that yeah, work there's, exactly? Yeah, there's nine different ships you can purchase yourself, but they do have like the base ships there. Kind of like your headquarters. If you get destroyed, you'll respawn there. Today, every time I've gotten destroyed, like, it hasn't completely destroyed my ship. But when you're there, like, it'll show, like, your hull damage. And it'll be, like, at 87 after I've gotten blown up. So I just repair it every time. Also, like, your character itself, your human character or Cylon character, they earn, like, skill points, like, engineering points or, like, missile tech points. So you can use that to upgrade your combat skills as well as buying all sorts of different parts for your ships. So it's really, really in-depth. Well, that sounds pretty cool. It sounds better than Caprica. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as far as my end, actually now I, I do kind of have two because I was debating on which ones, but since we've had a couple of options. Uh, first up is, these are both musical choices. There's a artist called Skrillex, S-K-I-R-E-L-L-I-X. And basically it's kind of techno-y kind of DJ kind of music, but it's really good. It's got kind of a good uh, tempo to it. It's got like a really like, a lot of upbeat kind of stuff to it. It's not your standard techno where it's just like, it's like, you know, he's actually a musician. He actually has, it's just him. And he does a lot of cool things with samples, and he puts his own voice in there and stuff. It's just really kind of cool, like, especially background music if you're doing something, if you're, like, you know, cleaning up your house or if you're driving. It's, like, really cool, I don't know, high-energy music. Also, I'm a big fan of Weird Al. I love musical parodies. There's a user on YouTube. Their name is Key of Awesome, and they do a lot of parodies online. Recently, they made fun of Lady Gaga's recent song, I Was Born This Way. They totally mock her for ripping off Madonna and whatnot, and just made me laugh. It was just so hilarious. So definitely check it out, Key of Awesome, on YouTube. Yeah, those two things are, yeah, totally rocking my boat this week. So I would like to thank everybody for listening to us tonight. This has been Fan Holes uh, Podcast number three. And until next time, this is Tony Chanclaw. This is Brian Breakdown. This is Derek, Derek WC. With Mike, it's Thunderwing. Justin Grimlock. We will see you guys next time. Uh-oh, the professor getting a little cranky. Gamma's <laughs> getting a little sleepy, yeah.